Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. I am joined today by Rian D. Gibson, the owner and creator of The D-Wiz Series, which is a motivational children's book series geared towards minorities and changing the mainstream perspective of minorities. Rian, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Uh, Thank you for having me, sir. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here today. Before we begin, that part about changing the mainstream perspectives of minorities, I realized in preparing for this interview, that doesn't really pertain to just the perception of the the public. It's also the perception of who we are, right? The perception of who we are based on what we've seen represented in the public media and entertainment. So I, I found that to be interesting. But in any event, let's begin by talking about your DizWiz book series. First, who is DizWiz and why did you create the book series and what sets it apart from other children's books? The Diz Wiz, that's actually my son's nickname. So that's where I got the name for the book series from. And the characters are actually based on my relationship, uh, me and my son's relationship. So a father and son perspective. What brought about the creation of the Diz Wiz series is just me figuring out how to utilize my social emotional background and a master's degree in school counseling as a means to uh, positively impact a lot of the clientele I was seeing. I had an experience with my son that just, you know, kind of formed the 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 premise of the first book. So after I did that and had a social emotional focus with that and a great moral concept uh, embedded in the book, and then I got a lot of great feedback from it, and then it just turned into a series. So that's kind of how I did it. That's excellent. I know you're on your third book now, but I believe there's going to be, it's a series of eight books total, correct? Yes, sir. Typically in uh, school counseling, the group curriculum uh, runs six to eight weeks. So I figured, hey, if I create an eight book series, you know, school counselors could be able to purchase those materials and create their own curriculum for groups uh, six to eight weeks. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. I didn't realize you actually created it as as part of a, a school curriculum. I thought they were just sort of more entertainment books for kids, but that's a really bigger function for the work. To make them a curriculum. Yes, sir. And um, like I said, they're not uh, aligned with the common core standards, but they could definitely be utilized in a social emotional context. Each book is uh, has a different social emotional lesson embedded inside. Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I know you're on the third book now, which we'll get to, but I do want to go back and maybe just talk a little bit about the first two so we can bring it to where we are currently. So the first one was called Speak It Into Existence. So tell me about that book, why you wrote it and, and what it's about. Well, really, I think uh, the foundation of being successful with anybody is learning to believe in yourself, learning how to uh, shut off that negative self-talk and uh, transform that to positive self-talk. So that's what that Diz Wiz speaking into existence is about. The first one is about, you know, um, believing in yourself, even in tumultuous circumstances or even if you in the face of failure, instead of internalizing that failure, use that failure as a teaching moment and uh, modify your approach so you can have a more fruitful outcome. So that's how that first book came about. The second book is Diz Wiz Hungry Charlie. That's about making connections with others that are different than ourselves. And that could be a difference in racial background. That could be a difference in uh, sexuality. That could be a difference in religion, whatever it may be. Instead of ostracizing and isolating, we should be embracing and understanding. 
And uh, so that's what that book is about. Yes. Well, you know, I commend you on both of those because it has to start with children because their minds are so open and not what I would say contaminated yet to bias and prejudice. They're so loving and open. I love the way you put that contaminated, you know, um, because I, as a school principal of uh, elementary building, you get to see just how different kids and adults are. Like I could see two students who are second, third grade, go fisticuffs with their best friend. And then in the next 30 minutes, everything is behind them. They're working together. They're collaborating. And I think about adults. Some of us are still holding on to grudges and negative situations from years ago. And we still have not let go of that. And sometimes that prevents us from, you know, reaching our maximum potential. So I I take a lot of little characteristics from my student populations because they do have a lot of uh, resilience and a lot of just excellent components that I don't think are highlighted. So I try my best to spotlight those key characteristics that are. Yeah, that's wonderful because I know for me, I've had a lot of conversations in the past week or so about New Year's resolutions on different podcast conversations. And one of the main things that has come up would be, you know, before you can move forward, you have to let go of a lot of stuff. Like, you know, make room for the new stuff by letting go of grudges, of the past. And you're right. That's something that I think a lot of adults struggle with. Kids just move on and they're like, you want to go play? And it's like, yeah, it's fine, you know, in five minutes. So, so tell me about uh, Officer Tennessee, which is the third book. I'm, I'm very curious. I, I love that title. What's that one about? Yes, sir. Uh, that, that's about Dizwiz. Dizwiz, Officer Tennessee is all about breaking down misperceptions, misunderstandings, and, you know, bridging our perspectives to understand and come together as a community. And I utilize two touchy topics. Um, I utilize police and I utilize pit bulls. And, you know, oftentimes the stigma attached to both of those could be negative. And the storyline in that book is just really great. And it just does a great job of just bridging, you know, from Oftentimes, like you said a little earlier, sometimes our uh, the perceptional lens that we look through can be tainted from past experiences. So sometimes we don't we, we go into situations with predispositional beliefs. And this is a book that's just kind of designed for you to set those aside and just really experience the fullness of someone without those predispositional beliefs tarnishing that interaction. Yeah, it's so wonderful. You're doing this getting to them at a young age. Uh, and you're an elementary school principal, correct? At Little John's? Yes, sir. And so, yeah, that's like the really early stages of development. So the idea is if you can get in those minds early, right, and kind of help them sort of navigate through a lot of those emotions and, and how to judge and build character within themselves, I think I, I just commend you on that. It's really, really important work you're doing. And I'll just give a little bit of your background from what I understand. Of course, we mentioned you're a principal, which at first did give me a little flashback because I spent a lot of my time in a principal's office as a kid, (laughs) but I did turn out okay, uh, thank goodness. But yes, so you're an author, you're a principal at at an elementary school, you're a community leader, and you have obtained your bachelor's of science in sociology, a master's degree in social counseling, and a master's degree in educational administration. So it's clear here to me that you have a passion for understanding human behavior. It's not just, you're not just, you didn't go to school just to be a teacher. There's a really specific interest it seems you have in human behavior. Where does that come from for you? Honestly, it comes from when I first got into the role of educator. You know, I was started off as an instructional assistant. And in my course of uh, being an instructional assistant, I was working with a client and uh, I was trying to de-escalate this student who was uh, really escalated. And in the process of doing so, he just looked at me right in the eyes and he said, I just wish I had someone that understood me the way I understood myself. Mm-hmm. And that just really touched me. And that just kind of ignited 
you know, my fire, my desire to understand others just as they understand ourselves, which I think is a basic uh, human need. I think we all want to be understood. So when you speak of the idea of hoping that, or as I mentioned earlier about your book series, hoping that the books change the mainstream perspective of minorities, what are some of the specific perspectives that you hope to dispel in these books when it comes to that? Oh, man, that's a phenomenal question. The first thing is it's based on an African-American father and an African-American son. I mean, you don't see too many positive pairings of those nature in the, in the mainstream media. And I know a lot of great African-American fathers. So because I know so many, I want to see the world seeing the same thing that I see when it's not and it's absent in mainstream media, then that can formulate a perception without intentionally trying to formulate a perception. Mm -hmm. So I think by me taking a conscientious effort to show the world that, hey, you can have great moral lessons embedded in a children's book series that's based on an African-American father and son, which you don't see. And I think that's what sets my series apart from maybe other book series and maybe other initiatives that are going to the same goal. I think that when you embed these lessons, and like I said, these lessons, although the characters are diverse, these lessons apply to all individuals of all walks of life. We all need to learn how to believe in ourselves and challenge that negative self-talk. We all need to learn how to build bridges and connect with others who are different from us. And we all need to learn how to break down misperceptions and so on and so forth. So the lessons apply to all, but I utilize diversity and a means to change perceptions because, like I said, there's not a lot of venues that uh, show positive African-American fathers and son interactions. That is so true. Just a few days ago with the passing of Sidney Poitier, I had a conversation with someone and I, re I I shared with them an experience when I was a young actor. I was about 18 and I was auditioning for a role of like a, a troubled black teenager in the hood or something. And I was auditioning and the agent said to me after I read the part, she goes, I need more black. And I said, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> she said, and she literally verbatim said, I need more killer pimp drug dealer black. Mm. And I remember like not even knowing how to respond to that. I didn't get the part. But years later, I realized why I was so confused was because at that point in my life, more black meant excellence. More black mm. in my house meant I wanted to speak like my mother who was an educator or who, who worked in education for 37 years or my neighborhood of politicians, of which one now is a Congress member. Uh, you know, or, or even to speak with the articulation of Sidney Poitier, who we watched in our home. Like that was black excellence to me. But that was not reflected at the time on television. So, you know, <laughs> during that time, mostly we were being cast on TV as drug dealers, murderers, pimps. So you're right. It's all about the perception and what kids see to believe they can be if they see positive enforcements, right? Exactly. And that's why my publications are, you know, geared towards getting students and uh, children to develop those skills. However, I do offer professional development because I am a certified social justice educator. And those are my ways of getting adults to see different perspectives, things of that nature. So I'm trying to take a uh, duality of sorts, educating the students, but also pushing into different organizations, companies, and things like that, and educating the adults as well. Because it's not just, you know, if we educate the students, then those who already have those mentalities or those perspectives, those continue to fester. So if I, you know, address it from both areas, I think I have a more effective outcome. And that's what I've been doing. So people can always book me to come in and talk to students, talk to their staff members, do all those things. They just have to go to the DizWizSeries.com. And, you know, we can make that happen for adults as well. And it's not just, you know, the messages that are in the publications ingrained for kids. 
Oh, that's great because, and I'll make sure we share that information, of course, with our, our listeners, but that's great because now in the, the current landscape, there's this big, big controversy of certain Americans wanting to sort of exclude certain teachings <laughs> from school curriculums. And in many cases, the argument can be made that if you teach the truth of the past, then you are more likely not to repeat it, and you're likely to understand how it impacts you now in the current day. And I think that's really what the benefit would be to honestly having the conversations about this country's history with slavery and socioeconomics of post-slavery America. And so I think it's really important work that you're doing where it's not just about speaking within the African-American community, it's going beyond that. So you're talking about, you're talking to not just Black people, you're talking to everyone. Yes, yes, most definitely. Because I think this is a uh, just racial consciousness and just social justice overall and equity overall is a all hands on deck type of approach, you know. And I think the one thing that I would like to dispel, because I think that, you know, in the course of having these conversations with people of different backgrounds and cultures and things of that nature, one thing that I want them to feel comfortable about is understanding that we all have biases. No one is excluded from biases. And I have quick, you know, little uh, interactive activities that uh, I do with my audience and these professional developments just to show them that, hey, we all have biases. I'll give you a quick little 15 second uh, example of how I can show you that we may all have biases. And if I were to do that, I would say, hey, you know, close your eyes. All right. I'm going to tell you a story. All right. There's four people. They're outside of a restaurant. There's a doctor. There's a police officer, there's an ex-con, and there's a drug dealer. They go in, they eat lunch, and then they leave. End of story. Now, when I typically ask the audience, you know, what color or what gender did you make that doctor? What color or what gender did you make that lawyer? Well, you know, same thing for the drug dealer and the ex-con. I didn't give you any of that information. So how did that information get colored in? And that's a great way just to see that, hey, we may have biases that we don't know. And identifying that isn't a negative thing. It's actually something that's going to be strong and it's going to help you be more effective. And then we're able to filter out our biases before they negatively impact others. So to me, it's just really important, you know, that we all understand ourselves. And that's what this whole series is about. It's developing a deeper understanding of yourself so you can holistically understand yourself and reach your maximum potential. And you're just taking these little gems and these publications to building on to being a bigger, stronger, you know, more holistic, well-rounded individual. Because you are a father of a young African-American child. How do you or have you had those conversations with him about George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery that are really tangible so that he understands a full comprehension of what's going on? Or do you feed that to a younger mind in a much more sort of compressed way without all the the gory details. I mean, you know, how do you have that conversation with someone who's young? Well, you know, my son is a is a little younger, uh, I think, to cognitively understand some of those concepts. But so in my the, my approach in regards to teaching them about it is, like you said, uh, breaking it down to his level, kind of understanding it and uh, in kids terms, you know, and not as in uh, adult terms. So a lot of the like the explicits and things like that may be left out until he's cognitively ready to receive that. So it's really just, you know, trying to gauge when you know, the, the person that you're going to have that conversation with, what level they are, what level of understanding they're at, and then pairing that with your approach and your, uh, your methodology. Yeah, that's important because you don't want to scare a child about the world they live in, but you do want to make sure they're aware of the world they live in, right? And that exactly. has to happen sort of like at whatever level 
their, uh, their mental capacity can handle. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.